welcome to the podcast. Pilates for PTs, from business to clinical. Hi, y'all. My name is Stephen Dunn. I co-own Core Therapy and Pilates in Austin, Texas, and I'm the founder of Pilates for PTs. I've been a physical therapist for over 20 years, and I've been teaching Pilates and gyrotonic in my physical therapy practice for the last 15 years. In this podcast, I interview experts from all over the world so that you can learn more on how to grow your business or how to improve your clinical skills as a Pilates instructor in the physical therapy world. Thanks for listening. All right. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm super excited. Um, I have someone in who is a Pilates instructor, who is a gyrotonic instructor and a business owner for the past six years. And her name is Emily. Emily Hudson, right? Am I saying that right? Getting that right. So Emily Hudson, welcome to the podcast. And where are you streaming in from? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I am located in Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay, North Carolina, but I was not sure, so I just thought I'd ask. Now, take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us a little about you and your story that led you to become a Pilates and gyrotonic instructor. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have to start back in college. So I went to Appalachian State University, which is located in Boone, North Carolina. It's uh, the western part of the state. And I was there for music therapy, actually. Um, That is what my undergrad is in. Um, I have um, a bachelor's degree in music therapy. And my instrument was voice. So I'm a singer and uh, was on that track, um, going to be a professional music therapist. And while I was studying there, um, the director of the music therapy department and the director of the dance department happened to be very good friends. And the dance and theater department had just put together their first Pilates teacher training program, which is really unique that it's affiliated with the university. Uh, But because it was in its first iteration, they had, I think it was like six apprentice teachers and nobody for them to teach because Boone is a college town. And so all the students disappear in the summer for the most part and are there uh, during the school year. So uh, that director called up my director and said, send me anybody. My girls need apprentice teaching hours and there's nobody for them to teach. So if you know of anybody that would like to come take Pilates, you know, send them on down. And so she thought of me and was like, Emily, do you want to do Pilates? And I was like, sure, why not? Like, I was like waiting tables, you know, doing summer school classes. I wasn't doing anything else. And so I went and I had no prior experience with Pilates. I'd never done any kind of mat work or VHS tapes or anything like that. So the first time I walked in and got to do Pilates was on the equipment, one-on-one with a teacher in the classical style. And from that very first lesson, I was hooked. I loved it. And I went probably three to five times a week that very first summer. That was 2005. I was in 2005. So I did that all summer and then knew that I wanted to get certified in Pilates through Appalachian State. So I went back to my director and I was like, so remember how you told me to go do Pilates? Well, 
now I want to do that too. <laughs> Can we work this out with my schedule? Because obviously she was my director and she helped organize all my classes and made sure that I was on track to graduate on time and all of that. So she was all for it. She was like, yeah, let's figure this out. So we revamped my schedule so that when I graduated in 2007, I graduated with my uh, music therapy uh, degree and my classical Pilates teacher training certificate. So it takes about two years to get that through uh, ASU. That's that's awesome that it's in an undergrad program. It's, you know, I've heard of a few um, physical therapy schools that have an elective program to get certified through um, through while they're in PT school. But that's the first I've heard about it being an undergrad. And I think that's awesome. Um, the more people that can get exposed and the more ways that they have the ability to get trained, then the more people can be exposed to the work. So I think that's fantastic. And it really, it's interesting. It doesn't matter if it's a small town or not, right? It's a, it's a movement system that once people find it and, and they either like it or they don't. And you're the very common example of like, I love this the first time. Mm -hmm. I don't even know why I love this. Maybe, maybe you yeah. knew why I know when I first did it, I didn't understand why I loved it. I just knew that it was something it was for me, it was more about, I can share this with my patients yeah. and because it, it changed my body and it was such a fast change of my body and how I stood and my posture that I'm like, all right, I can share this with people. And that was my passion and joy because what I learned in PT school wasn't really, it wasn't really getting me what I wanted to get with helping my clients and having that Pilates experience on top of it to offer that was such a ground, uh, a, a game changer. Um, and again, my clients, some of them love it immediately and some of them don't, but they yeah. know that it's a part of the process to get them better. But I love that story. Now, how um, how many people do you think a year would get certified through this program? A couple people, five people, it's, 10 people? It's, um, it takes a, it's a big commitment and there's a big summer intensive. So it's a three month uh, summer intensive where you're in the studio eight to 12 hours a day. And so I think that right off the bat, like, eliminates a lot of people. So they don't, they, they don't pump out a lot of teachers, you know, and they don't do it every year. It's a two year thing. So it Got takes it. a while to, to do it. So they used to do it every, every odd year. So it was 2005, 2007, 2009, right. et cetera. And then at some point there weren't enough participants and then it switched to the even years. And so it gave these people an additional year. And so, you know, it's, it's changing and it's morphing. Um, now with everything that's going on in the world right now, I have no idea um, what the Pilates teacher training program looks like at Appalachian State currently. Um, but I, I would say like, I mean, it's real small, like five to 10 people at a time go through this program. So, so let me, and you finished this program, you started in 2005 and you finished in 2007. What was the first step that you took to start teaching the work? Was it a, did you start teaching classes for somebody? Did you start going to a little gym and teaching on the side or what? Tell me a little bit about that kind of first teacher's experience. Yeah. So I, um, I graduated and I followed my, at the time, fiance, now husband to Cleveland, Ohio. And I had gotten an internship there for music therapy and he was working there professionally as a music therapist, and he had been up there already. So when I moved up there, he had this, like, welcome to Cleveland box with, like, all of these fun things of, like, 
we're going to live in Cleveland and look at all these cool things we can do together. It was really sweet. And inside the box was a list of Pilates studios for me to go and apply and start teaching because I had literally like just graduated. Got it. Um, and so I called up In Spiral Motion, which is Lisa Lansing's studio. I don't know if you know who Lisa Lansing is, but she's a master trainer. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I called her up and I said, I just graduated and I'm doing an internship here and I would love to work nights and weekends. And she was like, come on down. So um, I audition, auditioned <laughs> with her, um, as I'm sure you know, they want to they want to see you teach and they want to see how you interact with with people and what your style is. And um, she hired me. So my very, very first job teaching Pilates was at Lisa's studio in Spiral Motion in Cleveland. And I taught only Pilates at that studio, which confuses people because I do teach gyrotonic now. But at the time that I was at her studio, I did not teach gyrotonic. Um, and so she's still a, a wonderful mentor to me and, and someone that I go to for training and advice and things like that. And we're still very close. So sometimes people think that she was my master trainer, but actually I didn't get certified until I moved away from Cleveland. Got it. Um, Got it. You know, situations like you didn't know what you had until it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Was that your first exposure to gyrotonic in her studio? Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So at ASU, at the time that I was going through the Pilates program, they had one gyrotonic pulley tower and it was the balanced body model. So the oldest, the oldest model that was produced by a manufacturer, not a handmade model. Yeah. Um, and it was like tucked in the corner of the studio and we saw it and occasionally we would see people come in and work out on it. But, and we would ask questions about it, but Marianne and Rebecca are the two uh, master teachers, Pilates master teachers that were taking us through the program. So we'd be like, Marianne, what is that? Rebecca, when are we going to get on that? And they would be like, don't worry about that yet. You're here for Pilates. Yeah, you can get yeah. to that later. <laughs> so I had an awareness of it. And that was definitely something that Lisa asked me when I interviewed for her. She was like, have you ever heard of Jartonic? Are you familiar with it? And I was like, well, I've seen the machines and I've seen people work out on them, but I've never done it. And she was like, well, great, we'll show you. And so Lisa was always very generous and like teaching me things and showing me things and, and letting us drop into class and things like that during that time. So. Lisa was really the person who exposed me to gyrotonic fully. Got it. Now, that was 2007-ish, 2008? That was in September of 2007 when I started working at Lisa's studio. Okay. And then what led to then you wanting to become a gyrotonic instructor? What was that story that kind of led to that? Yeah. No one missed the bell that first time. <laughs> Yeah, so you kind of have to fast forward in the timeline a little bit. So we were living in Cleveland. We got married in 2008. And then I had my first son in 2009 and then got immediately pregnant again and was pregnant with our second son. And at that point, it was it was becoming very evident that I wanted to I just I wanted to be at home. Um, Wilmington is actually my hometown. Uh, all the people that I work with can't believe that I'm a local, but I am a local. I am from here. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to be at home with my mom and my parents and uh, just be closer to family. 
So we moved away in 2010, right before my son was born. No, 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 no. He was born. Then we moved home in 2011. So shortly after he was born, we were we moved here in 2011. And I could not get a job. Like I teaching Pilates. I mean, I called every studio, I knocked on every door and nobody wanted a Pilates teacher. And I ended up going back to this gym, like a traditional big box gym and just being like, please hire me, please hire me, please hire me. I need a job. I got to get a job. And I think I just annoyed them so much that they were like, fine, you can, (laughs) you can be here. So I taught there at the big box gym for a little over two years before one of my friends moved to town and opened up a legit Pilates studio, which is honestly my ideal setting, right? I didn't love teaching in the big box gym. So I left the big box gym and I went to her studio and she and I taught there and she and I were having a conversation one day about jar tonic. And I was like, I love jar tonic. I miss it. I just want to do it. Like I would love to, I would love to be able to teach it, but as you know, you have to have the equipment and there was no equipment in Wilmington and you can't just go buy one. You have to be certified in the work usually to get one. Um, or you can buy one from headquarters and sign some special paperwork, I think. Um, but it just seemed like this pipe dream. Like I'm never, it's not, it's not going to happen for me. Like, because there were all these hurdles to get certified in Jartonic. And then about a week or two later, Ashley, the owner of the studio, was like, you are not going to believe this email that I just got. And she sent me the email, and it was somebody that was moving to Wilmington and wanted to put her Jartonic pulley tower in her studio. She needed a place for it to go. And so Ashley was like, yes, as a matter of fact, Emily really wants to get certified in this work, and we didn't know how to get this done because we didn't have a pulley tower. So yes, please come. And that was Susan Maravitz. So Susan was my angel that fell out of the sky with her pulley tower and dropped it in Wilmington for me. And she got me ready for certification. And then um, I traveled to Charlotte for all of my coursework. Okay. Because there is a master trainer in Charlotte and, um, she was doing it over the weekends, so I could go up there for the weekend and then, and then come back home. But it wasn't easy. It was it was tough. It was hard. I had really little. I had very young kids. I was traveling and being gone for three, four days at a time, not working. My husband was working night shifts. Like you have to really love it to do it because it's not an easy process to get certified. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a big sacrifice of time and, and effort and and. And money. Um, I took the foundation twice and, you know, 12 days of like not seeing patients, you know, when I'm used to seeing patients, you know, and for me to take 12 days off, I feel like I should be like in Europe uh, traveling, <laughs> not not doing exercise. But, you know, I, at both times I took those foundations, I was like, man, this is wow. I can't believe I've signed up for this. And I'm glad I've done them both times. But it yeah. was just kind of it's a very, you know, it was, a, it was hard, you know, because. I'm I'm used to working all the time and seeing clients. So I, I, I follow you. I understand you on that situation. So, so that kind of led you like, so the, the, in college, the, you know, the, the, Hey, we need the Pilates students. 
led to you becoming a Pilates trainer. Boom. Someone moves to town. They've got a tower. They need to put it somewhere. Um, it opened up that door for you. You did your training. All right. So now we're at this point to where yeah. like, we're getting closer to six years ago. So tell me what what, what kind of led from that point yeah. to opening your own business six years ago. Yeah. So the studio that I was teaching in at the time, um, it was it was really unfortunate. And, you know, there's no like hard feelings or, or about what happened there. But it was it was becoming very obvious that 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 studio was kind of a sinking ship and it was um, probably going to fold. And yeah. um, it was one of those situations where I was like, I, I got to, I got to jump before the ship sinks. And yeah. the only other option for me is I got to open up my own place. Like there's nowhere else for me to go. Um, yeah. So me opening up my own place was really out of necessity. Like I, I had, I had no other choice <laughs> if I wanted to keep teaching and I wanted to keep working with my clients, then I kind of got a big shove into uh, studio ownership, if you will. And uh, so I started off in a very small 500 square foot space uh, above a gift shop. And I was fortunate that I had been teaching in Wilmington for several years at that point. So I already had a good base of clientele. People already knew who I was and they were referring people to me. So it was okay that I was in that little 500 square foot space above a gift shop because there was no visibility. There was like no signage. And if you were coming to see me, it's because you called me and I gave you directions. Like it was a hole in the wall place. <laughs> um, but I had to start there because I mean, as you know, this, this equipment is big and it's expensive. Yeah. And if it was just going to be me, um, taking on that equipment loan, I needed to start small and and then gradually build. Um, so that was about three years ago. No, I was in that space for two and a half years. And then I uh, grew and moved into the space that I'm sitting in now, which is larger and I have more pieces and I'm able to offer group classes now where I wasn't before. Got it. Got it. Now, when you first were in that 500 square foot space, what was what was the first piece of equipment you bought? Was it a tower? Was it a Pilates piece? What, what what did you buy? And did you did you go one way versus the other, or were you embracing both systems? Um, tell me a little oh, bit yeah. about that. I was I'm I I will always teach Pilates. Like I, I it is my first love, and I will never not teach it. Like it's it's part of who I am. It's the, it's a foundation of who I am as a movement teacher. And so there was no way that I could abandon Pilates. I don't think I ever could. So I bought, um, two reformer tower combination pieces. Um, I bought two one to chairs cause I personally love the one to chair. That's one of my favorite pieces of Pilates apparatus. And then I had the gyrotonic tower that was Susan's. Susan sold me hers. Got it. Um, because she, Again, because she's my angel, <laughs> she, she sold me her tower, and then I bought a new Ultima from uh, headquarters, Gyrotonic headquarters. So I had two Gyropoly towers, two um, Pilates reformers, and two Wanda chairs, and then eventually I added the JSB, the jumping stretching board, and at that point, that 500 square foot space was filled up. There was not, you could not fit anything else. 
Yeah, you, you, probably, you could probably barely move the benches to, to do yeah. the work on the towers. Right? You had to get creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You became a furniture mover all day, you know. So, nice. well, um, I love that. And then, so about two and a half years in your first space, and then you moved into your current space. And, and so, tell me a little bit about how your current space has grown from that equipment to what you have now. Oh, man. So, the last three years has been. It's been tough. Like I'm not gonna lie, it's been it's been a, a journey. Um, so I moved into this space with you know the hope and the dream and the vision that I was gonna bring in Jarotonic Master Trainers. We were gonna help you know grow Jarotonic uh, here in Wilmington, um, and I knew that the only way I could do that is to get other teachers certified and. I'm not a Jartonic master trainer. So that means I have to bring people in to sure. conduct workshops. And, you know, it's hard when, you know, nobody really knows what Jartonic is. And the certification process is lengthy. It's arduous. Um, master trainers. I mean, I don't, fa- I, I do not fault master trainers for this. I know your wife is one of them, but you know, they usually have minimum requirements. Like they need a minimum number of participants to commit to make it worth their while. And that's totally understandable. So trying to, you know, get it out there, get people excited about it, get them to commit. Like it's a lot of time and it's a lot of energy and then coordinating everybody with the scheduling, like scheduling is always a nightmare. I always tell people, Teaching isn't the hard part. It's the scheduling. Yeah. It's the yeah. scheduling. So, you know, going through all of that and at the end of it, uh, when it was all said and done, I do have one other person who teaches here at, at the studio, but she has a full-time job. So she helps me out on the weekends and on the evenings. And that's really, that's really helpful. But for all of the, the time and the energy and the money that was spent and trying to to build up teachers here at the studio, it really didn't produce what I had hoped for. And so I just, I'm, I'm at a place right now where I'm like, you know, damn, you know, I invested in the, in more equipment and higher rent and the last three years of trying to get to what I envisioned and, you know, just really didn't hit that target. But with everything that's going on right now in the world, World with the pandemic, you know, I'm trying to like see the, the flip side of that. So the flip side of that now is like having a larger space and still being able to maintain it on my own with the private clients. People feel really safe coming in here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I don't have a bunch of teachers who are on top of each other, working nope. side by side, feeling really claustrophobic. I mean, it's just nope. me and my person, and we've got 1200 square foot of space and people really appreciate that. So I think like, okay, well, if I had actually hit that goal that I had for myself, being where we are now in this industry could have actually caused more problems. (laughs) And I get that because we've lost quite a few of our staff through this process just based on like, not them not wanting to come back, whether or not they're making more from unemployment or because they just don't want to be at a studio that's big and has a lot of people. Even though 
we're back open. We're still slow. Things are slowly ramping up, but it's still very slow. And so I always think that some of their perceptions of what how busy it really is and what their perceptions of what it used to be, those things are two different worlds right now. And so yeah. it, it, it's been interesting. So we've gone from a staff of like, you know, 10 to like, we're down to six right now um, from, from the co- from COVID and none of us are really busy. You know, we're getting busier, but we're yeah. not as busy. Nothing like, nothing like we were uh, pre this. Um, so I, I hear that as well. And we, we just expanded not too long ago and took over an extra thousand square feet so that we would have a designated gyro studio and a designated Pilates studio and just have space. And that has, that's been two th- It's been the double edged sword for us for that one. We had to pay more rent and we could afford it. And now we're like, mm, we may not can truly afford this extra uh, uh, space, but it actually allows us to have all the equipment six feet apart. So we're very much socially distanced right. now. So like we have, yeah, yeah. So we do have two people in a duet or we've had three up to three people in a class a couple of times. Um, they're, they're socially distanced and, and they're more than six feet apart. So we, so now we have to determine, all right, is it worth keeping this space for, the people that are coming in and paying that price or do we need a little less space so that we just are offering more privates and less classes? Cause we were up to about 25, 28 classes a week pre COVID. And, and that's a big, that was a big chunk of like, you know, that was able to pay the rent and you know, the people that own monthly memberships paid the vast majority of our rent. And now those memberships just went, they just went away. So it's been an interesting shift. Um, so we're at that place where like we have space. So it allows us to socially distance when people come in, they're like, Oh wow, this feels, this doesn't feel like they were expecting it. And again, they're seeing that it's not busy like it was in the past, you know, every yeah. once in a while, like I might have a patient in my room and he might have a patient in his room, the other therapist that works with us. Cheryl might be seeing someone in the gyro studio, which is up front and then someone else might be in the back seeing someone there so we might be four of us working but we're all in our own space we're all very isolated from each other and whereas in the past we might have had all six or seven people we would have up to six or seven people working at a time where it was just a zoo in here that's not happening right now and rightfully so we don't want that happening right now Um, so there's that fine balance right you know like i got to be able to pay my rent but we also are very cautious and concerned about about what, what the heck's going on out there. And we got to take all of that into account. So, but uh, yeah, so it's an interesting story. It's very, um, very, very, um, you mentioned the master trainers needing a um, certain number of patients right. or a certain number of students, excuse me. That's kind of what happened to me. Um, I had no intentions, zero intentions of getting gyro certified. Um, I actually didn't, I thought it was kind of silly and watching Cheryl do it. I, I didn't get it. Um, slowly I was playing around with the machine whenever she wasn't looking, I would never let her see me. No, I wouldn't let her know I was playing around with it. And I was starting to kind of like some of the things that I was just playing around with on my own, but I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about what, what she was teaching. Um, and she's bringing in a master trainer from California because we'd moved here from California and she, same thing. Boom. We got, we got two towers now, but she's the only person in town that teaches it. No one else in town teaches. So how do we (laughs) how do we get teachers? All right, we'll bring someone in. So we brought someone in and we had five people sign up and she needed six. So she wasn't yeah. coming unless we had six people. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not doing it. And she was like, I need you, I need you to do this for me. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't really want to do that. I don't, I can't give up 12 days of work, you know, 
like, you know how much money I'm going to lose from not, from not seeing patients for 12 days. I mean, like that's thousands of dollars, like lost that, that, you know, and she's just like, yeah, but think about the two or three trainers we're going to get out of this and the thousands of dollars we're going to make per month off of each of them. I'm like, all right, all right. So again, that business, it wasn't, I wasn't doing it for Cheryl anymore. I was doing it for our business. I was doing it for the, the greater good. Um, and, and I did, and I kind of resisted it, but I did it, but, I, but I ended up liking it. But what, for me, what, it, how, the reason I ended up liking it, it wasn't from a master trainer because her and I, she was too, um, she was too artsy and she's a great trainer, but she was too artsy for my analytical brain at that time. And, and it didn't, we didn't met, we didn't mix. And, and then Donna place came to town to do one of the apprentice reviews and she's like, hey, you need to go take the classes with Paul and um, Uve. And they're, they're physical, th- you know, Julia's brother's a physical therapist, go study the, the, with him. And I went and took their three classes, like back to back to back in Miami, really, right before I actually got certified. They, they made a special agreement, arrangement for me yeah. to take them yeah. before I finished my certification. And that's what really got me excited because mm-hmm. – then all of a sudden they taught me how to take it and apply it to my world. And they taught me how to apply it to every one of my patients. And that was a sh- big, big shift. So like, I really didn't like it after 12 days of foundation. I started liking <laughs> it. after place. Donna was able to talk to me in a way that made sense to my brain, but then it was really studying with, and, and at that time it was Paul and Uwe, they were teaching together where now okay. they're, they're doing them separately, but this was probably 2008, maybe 2009. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, that was the shift for me that I was like, all right, I kind of I get this. And it was really fun. And for me being a PT, again, no one knows what gyrotonic is, just like you were mentioning earlier. So no one could no one could care. They could care less that I was trained in that. But me being a PT that was trained in Pilates, that became marketable. That became something that people people understood. People knew. Um, So I always say that, like the three things that I do, physical therapy, Pilates and gyrotonic. Guess what? No one knows what physical therapy is either. No one knows what gyrotonic is. More people know what Pilates is in the general yeah. population than physical therapy. Because what I do for physical therapy as, as a back pain specialist, most people um, relate to like chiropractors or massage yeah. therapists. People go see everybody before they'll come see a PT for back pain. People think I teach people how to walk with a walker after surgery. And I don't even, I don't even, I don't even have a walker in my office um, because I don't <laughs> see those kind of things. It's just not what I do. So the point of that is when you mentioned no one knowing that no, very few people know what gyrotonic is, and that's a hard thing to market. We learned a long time ago, physical therapy is not an easy thing to market either. Uh, Pilates is easier out of the three, but really yeah. we, we try to put the message out that we're transforming people and changing lives and we're creating, a, um, this is something they can't do and we're getting them to the, across the bridge of what they can do. And that's the message that people relate with. Because they don't really care if it's physical therapy, Pilates or gyrotonic or yoga or what. They don't really care what the, the vehicle is. They just want to feel better. Um, at least that's from my experience. But again, I'm a medical practitioner first and then a Pilates and gyrotonic teacher second. Um, and, and, I, and I love that combination and that mix. So now with that said, let me ask you, um, with, since you've opened your business, you've been in business now for six years, what are some of the things that you do to get clients? I know when you originally opened, you already had a clientele, yeah. people that already knew you. What are some of the things that you find are helpful? Um, and this may be a pre-COVID and a post-COVID answer. You can go either direction yeah. you want, but what's the best <laughs> way to find people right now? 
I, um, okay, so like I had said before, I kind of got shoved into uh, studio ownership without any kind of business acumen or, or anything like that. So everything that I've learned, I've had to learn on the fly or because of doing tons and tons of research and all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I've sort of over the last, gosh, like two years, just really dorked out over all things marketing. I think it's really fascinating work. It's super interesting to me, um, like the psychology of why people buy, when they buy, how they buy, to copywriting, to how you pick out your color schemes and how the color schemes affect people when they see your ads and things like that. So I I do love a Facebook ad. I have to say, I'm a huge fan of Facebook advertising. Um, it's done really great things for me. Now, I haven't, I haven't run a Facebook ad in a while because of everything that is going on right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not like writing out my copy for my future ads. Like, so as soon as I can pull the trigger, I can, I can put out a Facebook ad. Um, I really love, uh, I don't know if you know who Donald Miller is. I don't think so. So Donald Miller He's um, a writer and um, helps people with their marketing. And he wrote this book called Story Brand. And uh, he just recently came out um, with a new book. I think it's called Marketing Made Simple. And it follows the story brand framework. But it it kind of, um, when you were talking earlier, it made me think of Donald Miller. Because the way that he explains marketing and the way that you need to draw in your ideal client is you have to be you you are not the hero that person your client is the hero of their own story and so often where we make mistakes in our marketing is we position ourselves as the hero we position pilates gertonic my studio look at all these great things that we do and it's like nobody cares all they want to care all they want to know is can you help me with my back pain so that other stuff gets totally left out. So um, I, it's just so clear and it's so easy to understand that model. And so I've really seen a lot of success with the story brand framework mm-hmm. and actually working at one point I did hire a professional copywriter who was familiar with the story brand framework. And she and I spent about an hour on the phone with each other. She was learning about what I do and clientele that I serve and what are some of their typical problems and how do I solve them and all this and working with the professional copywriter. I can't recommend that enough. They, you find a good one. They're worth, they're worth the money. It's worth the investment because they can say things in a way that you would never think to say. Yeah. So I think um, when you are at that point, wherever you are in the world right now, wherever you are in the country right now, every state is different when it comes to opening up your studios and, um, when you're allowed to do so, how you're allowed to do so. But I would highly recommend, you know, go get that book, do the story brand framework worksheet. It's free. It will really help you get clear. If you have a little extra cash, maybe get um, a copywriter to come alongside you and take some beautiful pictures on your iPhone, get a client testimonial here or there. And I, there's probably hundreds of thousands of YouTube videos on how to put a Facebook ad together. And I think you'll be surprised at how successful um, 
those can be. And Facebook ads are cheaper now than they've ever been um, since oh, yeah. the pandemic. So we uh, we stopped running ads for about a month when we weren't really sure what and how to do them. And then we went and, and as a PT, yeah. I was able to open anytime I, I, I can. I can pull the I'm essential card and, and I can be open when I want to be open. Um, I closed down for seven weeks because I couldn't find cleaning supplies. So I shut it down because I couldn't keep myself or people safe. So if I didn't have gloves, mask or cleaners, then like I had to shut it down, even though I didn't want to shut it down. Now we shut down. We were shutting down our Pilates studio that that was going to be shut down regardless. But again, it was the same thing. I would have stayed open through that process, but, but just couldn't. Um, but in the meantime, once we figured out and once I got my gloves and we started getting things going and we were started, we started telehealth and virtual immediately. We started running an ad that was for a back pain challenge. And so instead of like running an ad saying, hey, come in, come see us because people are scared, you know, they don't not not really people aren't really ready to come in. So we created yeah. a digital product first that was really just repurposing a bunch of stuff that we already have, a bunch of videos and, and blogs and homework that we already send to people. And we, we made about four or five videos that we had to do this, but we made a two week back pain challenge to where, and we sold it for pretty inexpensive. It was, it was like 40 bucks and we didn't get a lot of hits. We got about six people to sign up for it, but it was something in that first month. I didn't spend very, because ads were so cheap. I ran the ad for a week, didn't spend but about 50 bucks on it and got, four people, uh, six people to sign up at 40 bucks a pop. And it took about two hours of time to put the content together because mm-hmm. it was like mostly repurposed. And then we put that in a way that these people were able to every day, they got a text message with, here's your video educational video for the day. Here's your action step for the day. And we did that for two weeks. And that was something where we got a lot of people that even if they didn't sign up for it, they clicked on the ad, they checked it out. And then we reran the retargeting ad when we ran it again, ran that same uh, back pain challenge again. We retargeted all those same people that had clicked on it and seen it and whatnot. But we've been able to get some people that way where it's already done. Everything's set up. We just have to turn it on and turn it off like a faucet because it's all automated and it's all in a place. But that's been really fun. So we decided to try a really different method because we've never tried any online virtual stuff. It's always trying to get people in our doors. Um, And then by getting people into these virtual online um, memberships, we're now hitting them up and retargeting them and emailing them with all of our other services, whether it's a virtual PT, a virtual Pilates session, pay for our membership to have access to all of our uh, videos on demand so we can... You know, if you want to come in, we're here for you. If you're not ready to come in, we got these options to meet you where you're at. And that's what we've really focused on on the last, you know, three months or however long it's been now for the shutdowns and craziness is is trying to, to pivot to that. And it's been really fun. But I agree. Yeah. Facebook ads are the best way that we've got people in the door, um, especially with me. Like I've, we've been open for 15 years, so there's a lot of people that know Cheryl and I, but my new PT, my new trainers, you know, those people don't know them. So like we run our ads showcasing them. We don't run our ads showcasing me and Cheryl because when people call or are reaching out through Facebook, we want them reaching out and wanting to be seen by not us. So that's something that we found that it's really helpful is like Andy, the PT that works with me by having him put a message out him put that in then when all the new people that come in through facebook they're going straight to him and we've probably been getting about we've probably got about 12 new patients um over june 
that were from Facebook that came in for PT and we're given a big discounted session. So the first session is like 45 bucks instead of 225 bucks. Wow. And in that ad, yeah, so it's a big discount, but it also lets them know that we're expensive. You know, there's a reason we put it, it's back to copywriting, right? We're, we're, we're putting that ad out to let them know that this is a cheap version, but they know right away that it's an expensive hour. Um, right. So we're not getting the group hunters yeah. because the group home folks are really looking for a deal and they're never coming back. So we're yeah. very, very clear with our message that we're talking to people that can afford to come in after they pay that discount. And that's been very interesting by offering a, a discount voucher that they have a certain amount of time to use to, to, and that's retargeting people that have known us for years. That's how we've got about 10 or 12 people back on the book. That's that, fell off the book in the last six months. Um, so that's what we found is like getting people in the door, having your message very clear, because if you, if someone comes in and pays 45 bucks and then you're like, yeah, the next session's 225, they're out the door. But if yeah. you very, clear, if, if you very clearly paint that picture in your messaging and the things you're talking about that they want to get back to, you know, our message is, do you want to get back to, to playing tennis? Um, and it's not really going to, I'm not going to say it's really getting back to tennis at the country club, but it's pretty much saying, are you ready to get back to playing tennis at the country club? Because that's yeah. our ideal client and that's who we serve really close to us. So those people that come in again, they're ready to rock and roll for a longer plan and they're more willing to shell out a thousand dollar treatment plan to do come in for five sessions knowing that we've walked them slowly across this bridge instead of just sending them an ad saying, Hey, come try Pilates, come try PT. We're the best in town. Again, we got to leave our ego at the door and make it the story about them and everything you were saying about the story about them. If we, if we make it about us, and I think there's a lot of Pilates and gyrotonic people that make it about them, that hurts our marketing, that hurts our system, that makes it hard for us to promote it because the egos get in the way. So that's my little rant on that. I apologize for going far on that, but but I think that uh, I, you, you got me excited. So no, I love talking. I love talking about marketing. It's like, like I said, like it's, I just find it a really fascinating topic, and I enjoy hearing what works for other people and like, you know, why did you do it that way, and what what did you learn from it? And sometimes I wonder, like, I mean, I graduated with a music therapy degree, but I'm like, should I have gone for marketing? Because like, I really enjoy this stuff. I really feel like it's just this very cool puzzle. And I think that that's the other thing that a lot of people in the Pilates industry forget is that it's a puzzle that you never really quite finish. And if you go ahead and you go into it with this mindset of of I'm going to test this. It's going to give me some information. I'm going to tweak my copy. I'm going to pick a different picture. Maybe I need to do a video. And then you put it back out into the world and you get better results. Okay, well, that gave you some information. How are you going to tweak it again as you move forward? Like it's this ever evolving thing that you're going to play with and test and fail and have successes with. And it's going to change. And like that to me is fun and that's exciting. But I think what happens so much is that, you know, our marketing budget is precious. It's, we only have so many dollars to spend on marketing and it can feel very deflating when you spent the hour, two hours building out your Facebook ad and you put the money behind it and then it 
doesn't deliver on what you had hoped. Or in my case, it gets rejected. Yes, Facebook can reject your ads, and that's very oh, yeah. normal, very common thing. So we automatically think, well, oh, I tried a Facebook ad and it didn't work, so I didn't, I never did it again. And they just throw in the towel on it. That's what I see over and over and over again. Instead of like, let's change our mindset around around this. Like, it's not a one shot. It's not a one shot, and success abounds. Like. That's why, you know, major companies have whole marketing departments to do this for them. So give yourself a little bit of a break. We're all figuring it out. (laughs) That's right. If you're (laughs) going to do a Facebook ad and you don't have systems in place on how you're going to actually deal with leads, you're going to get confused and lose those leads because running a Facebook ad for me, it's, yeah, people will sign up and do stuff. But some people, it'll be a conversation starter that takes six months, eight months to get them in the door. So someone signs up for something with me, we put them in the system to where they're going to be nurtured and emailed and they're going to get stuff. So I'm a big believer in, yeah, marketing is, is super important. But once you actually pay and get that lead, they may not be ready to do business with you. So you got to be ready to keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up. Because if you show up once, it's not enough. If you show up six or seven times, you got a much better chance. Um, and that's like simple things like making sure your, your website has a pixel on it and your Facebook page is linked to that. So you can anyone that goes to your face, your website, when they go to Facebook, the next you run a retargeting ad with that pixel so that you're going to show up on their feed for the next six months. And maybe it's three months now. It might have changed. But it's a scenario where you're going to keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up to where eventually they're like, Oh yeah, that's that website I went to. And, uh, and, and people love to ask me, how is it that I went to your website? And then within 10 minutes, you were showing up on Google, you were showing up here. How did you do that? And I said, well, I can explain it to you if you would like, but, uh, but it's a, it's kind of technical and nerdy and it's not that exciting, but, uh, but that's the kind of stuff that I found is very important because Facebook ads for me is a touch point, but for every person that touch it, they're not ready to act. And we certainly get people that are ready to act. But here's the deal with, again, this is just with me searching for people in back pain. Like we're, we're throwing out the net for people hoping that that's what they're suffering from and searching for versus on Google, they're, they're typing in exactly what they want. So, so the people that find me from Google, they're a much hotter lead and they're much easier to transition to an appointment. The people on Facebook, Hey, yeah, you, you opted in for our back pain challenge last night at three in the morning. <laughs> I don't even remember doing that. I didn't give you my email address or my phone number. Dude, I wouldn't have called you if I didn't have your phone number. You gave it to me last night. But they don't <laughs> even remember that because they're so they're, they're, they're clicking on so many things that they like. And maybe they just maybe they hit apply and maybe they meant to hit close it out. But I find that there's for every Facebook lead I get, they're not great leads. Some of them. They might be a lead that's going to take me again three, six, nine months to um, to get them yeah. in the door. And yeah. I'll tell you a quick story about a lady. She came in to see one of my gyro trainers, probably um, probably a few. I don't know. Probably the last right before COVID hit. I'm going to grab my uh, plug real quick. I'm about to run out of battery. And she came in and worked with one of my trainers. And um, my front desk guy was like, "Man." I've been calling her and leaving messages for nine months. 
And I said, well, Jace, you know what else has been happening is she's been getting emails. She's been getting texts that have been happening automatically. Like, so you've been doing that, but other stuff has been happening automatically. Well, six months later. Oops, wrong button. <laughs> six months, six months later, eight months later, she's coming in and she's a patient. And both my front desk guy and the trainer were like, they couldn't believe that it it took her this amount of time to pull that trigger and, yeah. and, you know, paying 85 bucks for a, for a training session, you know? So this was someone that reached out to us. We had a conversation with them. Then nothing, nothing, nothing. We're calling, leaving messages, texting. But again, all those were hitting them in so many ways. The emails are happening automatically. The texts are happening. The phone calls are happening. And then one day, guess what? She was ready to do business with us. And when she was ready, she like signed up for three times a week. She didn't sign up for just once every few weeks. She was like ready. Um, But again, we continued to show up and we continued to, to be there. And if it was up to me to do all that, I I couldn't do it. So I have, I've systemized it as much as possible because that makes my life much easier. Um, And it also, I have help with a front desk person that can be there calling. So if we get an opt in on Facebook now, we should be calling them within an hour of that original opt-in doesn't always happen that way, but that's kind of the hope. So again, I love Facebook ads as well. And I think they're super important, but I also think that if you don't have your systems in place and if you're not organized enough to like keep, and I'm not organized enough why I set up systems, um, I can follow instructions, set up systems, but I'm not very organized when it comes to doing things, but systems make it much easier for me and for my staff so that anyone can go, follow up with this person and it's all organized of like, Oh, did so-and-so get reached out to again? So that's where it gets a little bit tough, but I agree. Facebook ads are, are um, something that we've had great success with at times. We've had no success with it. And then yeah. there became, there became a time where I stopped running them for a whole year just because we were busy. And then yeah. all of a sudden I would bring in a new uh, therapist or bring in a new staff. And then I'm like, all right, let's run some ads to try to stimulate getting them busy. And, um, and it's been an it's an interesting process, but I love the the strategies. Yeah. The, the like, what are you doing? Like, what does your ad say? Are you just saying book now? Are you just saying call me? Are you saying, hey, this is a story of how I've helped this person? Again, what's the what's the strategy to get someone to take that action? And and those are the fun things. So so maybe you and I should do a call in the future where we just kind of talk about we just go dive deep into marketing because now that we know both know we're nerdy about marketing, we could <laughs> we, could, we could make a whole marketing uh, podcast because yeah. so much to talk about. Now I'll tell you a quick story, funny story, and uh, and then we'll wrap it up pretty quickly. Uh, Cheryl went to uh, college and has a marketing degree. And oh, has yeah. never, never done it ever. She, I mean, like she worked for like back in a long time ago, her first job had like a real marketing degree, yeah. uh, a marketing job. When we, when she moved to California, she worked as really kind of like a paralegal in a, um, in a law office for universal studios. So she was kind of like a, uh, a, a, she wasn't really a, a trained paralegal, but she was really doing paralegal type work. And she liked that because it was just following simple instructions. She hated marketing. And then all of a sudden we open a business together and I'm the one that starts taking all the marketing classes and I start studying marketing and, you know, learning from all these people. And, and I start asking her questions and she goes, 
I don't remember anything about marketing and marketing 25 years ago is totally different than it is now. Yeah. So I'm the one with a dang biology degree, physical therapy degree, and I'm the one in charge of marketing. She's the one with a marketing degree and she's in charge of the numbers. So she handles the, the financial side of the business. So it's really funny because she didn't learn anything about finances and marketing. And I didn't learn anything about marketing in my science background. But as we run our business, we've kind of found the things that, that match what we like. Um, whereas she would have never taken the marketing courses that I took. And if I, I wouldn't have taken those marketing courses, our business would have struggled um, because I took insurance for about a decade and then I stopped taking insurance. So when I went to no longer taking insurance, I needed a way to like get my message out and, and why, when I took insurance, people called, do you take my insurance? Yes, I do. They came in. It was simple to get people in the door. Do you take my insurance? No, I do not. That became a hard conversation to have. So I needed to learn how to have that conversation instead of just saying, no, I don't take your insurance. Because if you say, no, you don't take your insurance, you're done. <laughs> the conversation's over. And people are used to paying for PT with their insurance. They're not used to paying out of pocket. It's a, still a foreign yeah. concept. So when I learned to market and I learned to put my systems in place, that was my whole mission was how do I get away from relying on insurance, relying on the system that I think is failing, relying yeah. on the government, the governmental insurance that was completely not working. So I'm like, how do I get away from that and quit talking to, yes, I take your insurance and I'm taking all kind of patients in my door that are not my ideal client. The yeah. only thing they are, they just have, the, they just have the same insurance I take. Like I take their insurance. That's it. That's the only, that's the only thing that's a match. Well, now if you're not a match for me, you're not paying me my fees and, and I'm willing to spend time nurturing you for a year for you to pay me those fees. I'm willing to give you some free time, having a free assessment to walk through those goals so that I can help you understand what the, the reason I don't take insurance and how we can get you well. And, and actually insurance usually gets in the way of getting you well. Um, but those are conversations that I need to have with someone once they start to trust and, and I've earned their trust. And that doesn't happen on that first phone call. And, and it just never will. So, so I love it. So, so now you've got my blood boiling and pumped and I'm all excited thinking about marketing. So we'll do another conversation about just, and just we'll into marketing and like things that are working, things that are not working, tips and tricks. And, and, and I love that because not everyone is that interested in this stuff, I know. but it's a very important piece of the pie. Um, and again, I've done a lot of stuff that's worked and I've done a lot of stuff that hasn't worked. Um, and, and to be honest with you, if I didn't do the stuff that didn't work, I would have never found the stuff that works. So you got to kind of keep doing and doing and doing and, and learning and testing and making it work. So <laughs> let me ask you, what what is the best way for people to get in touch with you if um, they want to get reach out to you? And I've just put your email, our website to flash on the bottom of the screen. Okay. Yeah. Um, the website is the studio website, which is enjoy, enjoymovementstudio.com. That's enjoy with an I, I-N-J-O-Y, movement studio. Um, and then on Instagram, um, at enjoymovementstudio, um, that is the, uh, gosh, that's, that's kind of like my catch-all um, Instagram. I know they say that you should have uh, an Instagram for your business, an Instagram for this, and an Instagram for that. But I, I, I have it all in one place. So, you know, you'll see studio stuff um, at Enjoy Movement Studio. You'll see 
me riding horses. You'll see me singing with my husband. You'll see, um, you know, stuff about my podcast. I also have a podcast, so you'll see stuff like that. Um, things about uh, business related things as well as teaching tips. So it's all on Instagram. That's probably my favorite place uh, to hang out. Got it. Got it. Have you ever ran ads on Instagram? Um, in correlation with Facebook, you know, they're, they're owned by the same company. So yep. um, when you go and you build it, you know, it shows you what this looks like in Instagram. This is what it looks like in Facebook. This is what it looks like in stories. And you just, you know, make your changes as needed. So I have, I have run um, things through Instagram. Um, I, I don't know if I've gotten any clients through my Instagram ads, but I've definitely had some good conversations with people um, yeah. and sent people in the right direction to find somebody um, close to them who teaches gyro or um, pointing them in the right direction, giving them something that they can do at home because they can't get to me. Um, I, love, I love Instagram. I love uh, chatting with people. So reach out. Uh, no, but I don't have like, as you heard me say before, I don't have a fancy marketing team. So if you reach out, you're going to get me. There's nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I love it. Well, Emily, it sure was fun. And uh, again, um, I just want to let everyone know this is the very first time Emily and I have ever had a conversation. Um, yeah. we've, we've had a very a few interactions over um, Instagram. I'm sorry, over Facebook Messenger uh, about a year ago or so. We started a conversation and then kind of I, I fell off of that and didn't finish, uh, didn't get back to you. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you popped into my head and here we are within a week of that conversation. We're having an hour conversation to discuss business. But I love that. I'm, I'm only saying this because I think it's fascinating that we're in this time where like you and I just we don't, we don't know each other. We know of each other. We've heard we know we've, I've been able to see your site. You and I are Facebook friends. I've I've seen you riding horses. I've heard you seeing all the things you just mentioned. I know about <laughs> From watching your stuff, but at the same time, we've never had a conversation. We've never sat down and discussed anything at all. And I love that we're in a place now. And COVID is, I think, making this easier for people to sit down yeah. and have a video conversation through the screen and and really continue to form relationships um, with people all over the country, all over the world. It doesn't matter. I used to market to people five miles around my business. And now I'm starting to open that up into everywhere because of all our products are going digital as well as, as in person. So we're just in a totally different world. And, and I love that within an hour's time, we have a lot of common, common things. We have a lot of things that we've gone through in our history, our, our business growth that are similar uh, things that are different, of course, but things that are similar. And I, I love just listening to the story because what I know of you and what I now know of you, what I knew of you prior to our conversation and what I now know of you after our conversation, it brings a whole new, um, new light on things. It brings a whole new line of questions that I want to go through and talk about marketing. So with that said, I really want to thank you for your time. Again, I, I know, I know it's uh it's, it's um, a, a great, a gift to give your time away and, and just come on and have a conversation. And I really appreciate that and have a fantastic day and we will do yeah. this. again. Yeah, I would love, I'd love to come back. Thank you so much for thinking about me and asking me to come on. I'm, it was a pleasure. Yes. And definitely we'll do it again and you have a good one and stay out of trouble there.
All righty. And for everyone watching, thanks for watching. And we'll be back with podcast real soon, guys. Y'all take care. Bye now. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, could you do us a favor and leave some love and write us a review? My name is Stephen Dunn. I help physical therapists incorporate Pilates into their physical therapy practice. If you would like more information on how you can incorporate Pilates into your physical therapy practice, then like my Facebook page, Pilates for PTs.